0: Good evening. Good evening. Okay, one's awake. (laughs) Any others awake? (laughs) Ah, It's always good to be here, and um, we're going to have a little bit of a problem tonight. I I say to people, I explain to people that there's always a demon in every Christian computer. And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. And when they don't, well, <clears throat> I'm glad I don't have religion because I would lose it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, in the introduction, I will sign and then when I begin to preach, I'll probably stop. But uh, how many of you are older? than 50. Okay, all right. How did you feel on your 50th birthday? Did you feel half of my life is over, or did you think that three-fourths of your life was over, or what? <laughs> well, my 50th birthday was a long time ago, but I remember it very well. Uh we were living in uh, Central America, not, no, Central North America in a state <laughs> called Kansas. I had a deaf church. And I I arrived at my 50th uh, birthday. And so I taught Sunday school. I preached and we finished. And my wife said to me, she says, I would like to have Chinese food today. I said, Fine, I'm not going to argue with her, you know. So we started driving, and we have a favorite uh, Chinese uh, restaurant, so I knew where. So I drove up and parked it, and we got out. And I was following my wife now. To get into the restaurant, there's two double doors, okay, two double doors. And standing beside the first double doors, there's a deaf man. I know him, he's a member of our church, okay? And I'm thinking, ah, I don't want to eat with the deaf today. <laughs> now, there's a reason for that, all right? You can talk with your mouth full, that's fine, you know, and you've been told not to do that, right? <laughs> no, no, that's bad manners. So, with the deaf, of course, you're using your hands, so you can eat and talk, but how do you talk to the deaf? Yeah. So, your hands have to be empty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, getting the food from the plate to your mouth is quite a skill that you have to develop. All right? All right. So I just didn't lie. I said, "No way. I hate to eat because you either eat cold food or you leave it on the plate after a while. You know, because you have to and and, and keep it going. You know, so it's difficult." I said, "I don't want to eat, with the death today." So we just passed him. Hi. No, just passing by. Hi. And walked on in, and my wife opened the door, walked in. There's a big sign that says, Wait to be seated. You know, most restaurants that way. And my wife just kept walking. She opened the other door. I followed her, didn't question it. Not a word, nothing. And she just turned the corner. There's a side room here. And we turned that corner, and I looked. Yeah. Tables all along there with the blooms, you know, blooms and everything. And there's deaf people standing all around, honoring my 50th birthday. So I had to sit and eat with the deaf. Okay, but uh, but uh, they had. Um, Over the hill. I said, oh, mistake. I'm not even up to the top yet. They laughed, you know, but they have uh, napkins that's half black and half white. I don't know if you've seen that before or not, but it was all spread out. Well, I chose my seat very carefully. And I was sitting here, my wife was sitting here, and across the table, there are two sisters sitting there. One is deaf and one is hearing. And I'm sitting across from them, and as you know, it's a buffet, so you go fill your plate and come back and fill your plate. No, I mean, (laughs) no, no, you can, all right? So you're eating away, and uh, this sister over here, Begins to talk, and we can talk, you know. And we kind of do this, uh, you know, just so that the deaf will know that we're talking and not about them. (laughs) And, uh, we're talking, and she said to me, now remember, this is my 50th birthday party. This girl says to me, Jim, have you ever thought of what you wanted written on your tombstone? <laughs> That's death, alright? <laughs> but I said to her, yes, I have. And she said, okay, what do you want written on your tombstone? And if you know, I, I would like for God to write on my tombstone. And, uh, maybe, you know, he will. But it's interesting to read in the Bible, God's writing. You know what that is? That's an epitaph. A- ep- epitaph. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Alright? <laughs> epitaph. Alright? And I had to, when I was making a, a PowerPoint on that, I had to find it on the internet so that I would know how to spell it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I still don't. But anyway, uh, I said, yes, I do. And um, what I would like writing on my tombstone... Oh. Come on! Come on! I help? <laughs> it's there. It's <laughs> there. Uh oh. It's on the computer anyway. Anyway, what I want on my tombstone, probably one word. Three. Faithful. Amen. Faithful. And the tombstone there has Jim or James H. Sloan nineteen thirty seven two question mark I know because i ain't dead yet, <laughs> and it right well, faithful on that well, later <clears throat> they gave me, of course, the cards, you know, birthday cards, and all of them to have me cards, and I opened the one from this hearing and deaf sisters, and on it it had faithful servants Amen. a faithful servant made me begin to think okay I can probably accept the fact that I'm faithful. I'm so beginning now 63 years of ministry to the deaf people Amen. just finished last last week. Last week, fifty-eight years of marriage Amen. to the same woman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so maybe yes, I I strive to be faithful to what God wants from me. But it was the word "servant." It kind of bothered me. You know, we don't like the word servant do it. How many of you just like, I, I'm a servant, yep, that's me, Mm-hmm. we don't like that. And uh, I thought about that and I'm thinking, all right, well, you think of all of the men in the Bible and women that were called servants. Noah was called a servant. Abraham was a servant of God. Peter was called a servant of God. Paul called himself a servant of God. And uh, you think about all of that and you say, Well, that's a good good company of people to be connected with as a servant of God, the servant of God. Now, uh, in the Bible, the word serve or servant is found, I have it on there, it's (laughs) over, over 1,100 times in the Bible, the word serve or servant. And, of course, the Greek word that is used most often means a slave, a bond servant, a slave. Now, there appears to be a slight different definition of serve in the Old Testament and serve in the New Testament sense. Okay? In the Old Testament, and I have verses... To, to prove this, it tends to be connected to worship. You remember when, uh, yeah, I believe his name was Joshua. I know it was. <laughs> Joshua called all of the people in after they had conquered what they were going to do in the land of promise. You remember when he said, choose you this day which God you will Serve. serve. He didn't mean to go out and be a missionary for that one. It had to do with the worship of that, uh, the God in heaven or the gods of the nations around them that they had uh, defeated and, and kicked out. Okay, That's what Joshua was saying to the people. And that's throughout there. They were serving the Lord God and it had to do with their worship. Well, in the New Testament it tends to mean work, our work, our service to God. In Colossians, it talks about whatsoever things you do, you do it as a service to the Lord God, all right? So there was a little bit of a meaning, different meaning in in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So today, the idea of being a faithful servant Means that you are doing what God wants you to do. Well, <clears throat> I, I, in, in my sermon preparation, I believe that the principles that are taught in the New Testament are demonstrated in a real live person in the Old Testament. Because twice in the New Testament, we have verses that say that uh, the Old Testament was written to our learning, the Old Testament was written for our examples. And so I began to think about this, as I began to think about this being a faithful servant. And one day, I was reading in Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24, you can open your Bible to that uh, verse, uh, chapter, because we're going to stay there for the rest of the service. And I might say that if this doesn't start working, you're going to have to depend on an old mind, (laughs) that's me, (laughs) to come up with my points and outlines. Okay, in Genesis chapter 24, you have to remember the background here because Abraham is probably 140 years old. Okay, get that one. Oh, I've got it. You think it's going to work now? No, but I'm praying. Okay, Abraham is 140 years old. Isaac is probably 40 years old and he ain't married. Now, Abraham remembers the promise of God. What did God promise Abraham in Genesis chapter 12? Even when he, before he left the land of Ur, he said, I'm going to make a great nation from you. Well, he waited about 25 years before he gave him the son of promise, but Abraham and Sarah tried to get in a hurry, not wait for God, and they had a son by the name of Ishmael. You know that. But God said, he's not going to be it. He's not going to be it. you got to wait. I'll produce. Well, if you're going to have a great nation, you've got to have a marriage right? Because somewhere or another, you're going to have to have babies, and babies, and more babies, and a lot of babies if you're going to have a great nation. So I think old Abraham is sitting in his rocker chair looking at his son and saying, you know, this guy, I'm going to have to step in here and do something. And I know it was a custom back in those days for the father to find a husband or a wife. I told my three girls, I said, no way. You're not going to live the rest of your life and blame me. (laughs) I'll give you my opinion, but you're going to choose. (laughs) Anyway, Abraham knew the promise of God and knew that he must find a wife for his son, Isaac. And so you know what he did? In Genesis 24, he called for his faithful servant. Now, it does not name the guy in chapter 24, but most people believe that it was Eliezer. Eliezer, his faithful servant. And um, it says... uh Let me see, where am I? Okay, it says, you know, and Abraham was old and well stricken in age and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things and Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had. Now you don't give that to a servant that you don't fully trust. He had to be a faithful servant. And I read that verse and I said, that's it. That's my personal example of what a faithful servant should be. Now, I'm going to ask you now, and then I'll ask you again at the end. Are you a faithful servant? That's the point of the message tonight. Let's see what made this man so faithful. Do you know, I, I just give you an idea of the ser- sermon because, uh, Abraham calls him in, makes him swear to go to get him, uh, Isaac a wife. He goes, gets a wife, finds her, comes back and they're married and live happily ever after. Well, almost. Okay? <laughs> almost. But, uh, that's, that's the gist of this story. So let's see. There's going to be seven things here, so um, I've got uh, about three minutes on each one of them, okay, so we will go put this one in fF that means fast forward, okay all right, the first one is in genesis twenty four two, and he understood you understand that a servant owns nothing. <coughs> A servant owns nothing. And Abraham said unto his... um, "What That that should be probably... uh, He was a servant and ruler over all that Abraham had. There's no indication that um, Eliezer had anything. And we'll show you that a little bit more in just a few minutes on another point. But... We don't own anything. You know, he he preached a fantastic message this morning on the body. And it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, if you don't remember those verses, you ought to remember those verses. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Ye are not your own, right? You are bought with the price. You do not own anything. I like these people that talk about my house, my car. Now, I've had cars in the past that I gladly said that they belong to God. (laughs) (laughs) Did you? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you get in in the highway, your tires are so ball that (laughs) a stick punches into it and it goes flat. You don't have even a spare, and so you park on the side of the road waiting to get to your next service, and somebody comes by and says, could I help you? You may do so far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah, and I gladly said, Lord, this is your car. You've got to do something <laughs> about it, you know. <laughs> now I have a little bit better car, but I still say it's God's car. Yeah, it's still God's car. It's not mine everything that I have, everything that a faithful servant has belongs to God. You know, for years, Baptists have taught that it's okay to tithe. Some teach that it's okay. Some teach that it's biblical. Uh, You know, so whatever. But um, we've always said, you owe your tenth to the Lord. And then people said, well, the 90% is mine. I didn't hear no amen on that. Mm-mm. That belongs to the Lord too. That's right. Yeah. Everything you have as a servant belongs to somebody else. Okay, that's my three minutes. <laughs> a little bit more, but it's all right. So Romans twelve one, you know that I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. It it's it all belongs to God. It all belongs to God. Second, he received his orders from his master. And here's what he said in, in uh, verses 3 and 4. And I will make thee swear by the Lord thy God of heaven and the God of the earth that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell but thou shalt go unto my country, unto my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. He had an order. God, through Abraham, told him what to do. Who tells you what to do? Who tells you what to do? There is a kind of feeling in, in the world today, reminds me of Exodus chapter 2, or chapter 5 and verse 2, where Moses stands before Pharaoh, and he said, The Lord God, the Lord there means Jehovah, Jehovah God said to let my people go. And you remember what Pharaoh answered? Who is the Lord God to tell me what to do? I'm not going to let him go. Okay, and that is the feeling of people everywhere today in this world. Who is God to tell me what to do? Who is God to give me orders, command me to do certain things? I'm not going to do it. No, I'm my own boss. I'll do what I want to do. But God gives an order. Now, those orders are called command, commandments in the Bible, in the Old Testament. You know, God condensed them down to ten. Mm-hmm. And, uh, people are trying to disobey every one of them today. They have kicked out the Bible in the States and all of the other things, you know, you've read about it. And if you listen to CNN, you know that there's no hope at all. But uh, uh, those are commands. And in John, uh, well, I'm going to give that one in the next point anyway, but uh, uh, that's my three minutes. So anyway, it says here, no man can serve two masters, all right? You cannot do that. You will hate one and love the other, or you will obey one and not obey the other. You cannot switch back and forth. The master is the one that gives the order. Second, or third, you have to be obedient. Not only do you get the order, but you have to do what Jesus tells you to do. You remember in, uh, in John chapter 2 and verse 5, the disciples with Mary, the mother of Jesus, came to this wedding and they ran out of wine. And so Jesus' mother said to the servants, whatsoever Jesus tells you to do, Amen. do it. Do it. In John chapter 14, there's four times where obedience is connected to love. If you love me, keep my commandments. Three times it's a positive statement and once it's a negative statement. But Three times it's worded, if you love me, keep my commandments. The negative one, if you love me not, keep, you keepeth not my commandments. He that keepeth not my commandments, loveth me not, is the way it says in John chapter 14. Obedience is a very special thing to God. I often think that it's even more important than the fact that we have faith in God. You know, the whole Hebrews chapter 11, what do we call it? Hall of faith. The hall of faith. Yeah, by faith, Noah, but you'll notice always by faith it ended in obedience. It ended in obedience. A faithful servant not only does not own anything, not only does he take his orders from his master, but he obeys. <clears throat> There's a, a very sad time in the history of the United States. It was a time when people had slaves. And uh One of the things that the slaves knew if they wanted to live and live without pain was obey. And obey quickly and completely. And we as servants, slaves of God should be just as quick to obey and do what God tells us to do. John chapter 13, verses 13 through 17, is when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. And he said, you've got the example now, do it. And you notice that it was not a commandment, it was an example. But there's Hebrews chapter 11 as well. So, we need to be obedient in all things. Number four was believe in an omnipotent God. When we're serving God, you believe that God is all-powerful. Now, what was the purpose of this faithful servant going to this other part of the country? What was it? To find a wife. Now, can you just just try to picture in your mind this servant thinking, okay, I know my master Abraham. I know his son. I've seen him grow up. I know how he thinks, how he acts, how he lives. Now, I have to find a wife for him. You know what he does? He goes to the place, There's a well there. And he said, he knows that this well is where the young ladies come to get water. And he prays to God. God, let me just condense it for you, okay? He said, God of Abraham. He said, I'm here. To find a wife. And Abraham said that you were going to guide me now. And he prays for a couple of things. He said, let the young lady that comes to get water. And I ask her to give me a drink. She'll say, alright. I'll be glad to give you a drink. Hey, let me get water for your camels as well. Now I don't know how many camels he had. He had several, I know that. And they drink at one time about 20 gallons of water, okay? Mm-hmm. And she said, let me, and the Bible says that uh, Rebecca came out and and he said to her, give me a drink of water, and she put the pot down and gave him a drink of water, and she said, oh, by the way, I'll get water for your camels. I can imagine that's what happened. His jaw just dropped and he thought, like I would think, did this really happen? Is this really God working? And then he asked her where she lived, what family and so forth and found out that it was from Abraham's kin's. So she said, oh, oh, you, why don't you just come to the house and, and we've got room for all of your, uh, animals. We'll feed them and take care of them and we'll take care of you and your men. And so he lingers and Rebecca goes home and tells her family that she's met this man and all of these things that's happened. And so layman comes out and he said, oh, you come in and come in and come in and come in. He believed that God would direct his path and that God had the power to do what God wanted him to do. If you're going to be a faithful servant of God, you've got to believe in his power. You've got to believe in his power. We think well, nothing is going to change this. Or we, we look at a person that that is deep in sin and we'll say, you know, that's hopeless. God can't do that, you know. But he can. He is all powerful. I don't know how many times God has answered my prayers exactly what I ask him for. Exactly. Sometimes it's much more. That's Ephesians 3.20. You know, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think, do you really believe that as your master can do that? That's a faithful servant, okay? Where are we? I'm not going to go over those verses. Okay. Now he, a servant, has to depend on others to take care of his needs. Look back at verse 10. And his servant took ten camels of the camels that he owned? No, of his master's. And departed, for all the goods of his master was in his hand. Hmm. Now, yeah. when he comes to the place and he meets Rebecca, they said, we will take care of all of your needs. Just come on in, right? Oh, Amen. You know, Philippians 4.19, I, oh, I've got it up there, okay. But it says, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. And that is an excellent promise. You've got to remember that it's connected with the fact that the church there gave to Paul on his missionary journeys. And because they gave to Paul missionary journeys, Paul wrote that verse to them. So it was giving first and receiving second. And We like to receive first and then give. But God's plan seems to be you give and then God will take care of your needs. And I can tell you again and again and again how God has supplied needs. I've probably made over a hundred foreign mission trips. And I'm not rich. I tell you, I am not rich in any shape, fashion, or form. I drive a 2010, which is one year better than you, but uh, I drive a 20. Uh, 2010, my wife drives a 2003. It's got over 200,000 miles on it. You know, we're not rich. We live in a mobile home because we choose to live in a mobile home. We like it. And, uh, uh, you know, we're just common people. I don't have between two and three thousand dollars for every trip that we plan. And yet the rule states, and I've had it in my ministry for many, many, many years, if I don't have the money in my hand or in the bank, we don't go. I've never canceled a trip since 1993. God has always taken care of me. One time, one time. It was getting close. I mean, really close. And I went to the mailbox and there was nothing there. And you know, sometimes we get the whole amount in one check. I've had that done. One check took care of everything. I've had it to where it comes in $25 and $50 and $10 and here's $5 to, you know, that kind of thing. And it, it adds up and you, Okay, you know, but this time it was not adding up and the trip was getting closer and closer and closer and I would drive up to the mailbox and I looked in the mailbox and it's empty and I get back in the car and I'm driving out of our mobile home park and I'm saying, Lord, I felt that you wanted me to go on this trip and yet you're not supplying the needs. I don't know, God God talks to me, okay? Not with an audible voice, but he talks to me and he said, what's wrong, Jim? And I said, the money is not coming in. And in just a few days, we have to go. And I'd already ordered the ticket, you know? And uh, I said, uh, we don't have the money. What's wrong? And he said, well... The problem is that you've never asked me for it. Well, I shed a couple of tears and said, Lord, I'm sorry. I never want to presume upon your goodness and supplying the needs. Two days later, now you can believe this if you want to, Two days later, I went to the mailbox and there was a check for the full amount of the trip. I've never forgot that. Hmm. Never forgot that. And you can bet your boots if you bet, and if you've got boots, <laughs> <laughs> that I always have asked since then. <laughs> no, And he always takes care of the faithful servant. God will take care, provide for you what he asks you to do. Alright? Read 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 1 through 18. That's where the verse says, He that soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly. Okay. Uh, Good chapter to read on giving. But then, to be a servant, you must focus on one the on one thing that God tell that God tells you to do. Okay? You know what happened? They invited Eliezer in, they set him down at a table, and they said, Now let's eat. You know what he said? No. Nope. <laughs> nope. I've got a mission to do first, Amen. and then we eat later on when they get ready to leave, the family said, oh, let Rebecca stay with us for, oh, maybe 10 days and then you can go. And he said, no way. We're on our way. And they said, okay, we'll ask Rebecca. So they called Rebecca in and Rebecca said, I'm gone. I I know. It's just amazing, but he said, I have a mission to do, and I am focused on that, and we're going. It's amazing to me how many times God changes his mind. Have you ever thought about that? (laughs) You know, when when I first started uh, in working with the deaf, We had a a sign language class. We probably had 40 people in that sign language class. And most of them said, yeah, God wants me to work with the deaf. God's called me to work with the deaf. And then the girls met a boy, and suddenly God changed his mind. No, I I must have made a mistake or something. God doesn't want me to work with the deaf anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) You think this is a joke, but it is honest to truth. I made the mistake of telling a fellow worker because I was very shy. I know you don't believe that, but it was true. I was very, very shy. And he was going with a, a nurse's training. She was in training. And I said, why don't you introduce me to one of those nurses' trainers, you know? 30 minutes later, he came back and he said, I got you a date tonight. I said, no! <laughs> so we went. I saw Joyce come walking down the steps out of the dormitory, and I'm thinking, she's got a big nose. I don't know. <laughs> she didn't think any more highly of me, all right? <laughs> anyway. Anyway... We went out to uh, Chickamauga Dam. That's where the other guy took his girl. And we're sitting there and I said to her, I said, uh, by the way, God's called me to work with the deaf. And I had been doing that for four years already. I said, God's called me to work with the deaf. If you're not interested, this will be the last. So I'll be honest with you, I'm not going to just say, well, yeah, 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 yeah," no, and then never call her again. So I said, you know, and she said, well, I've always wanted to be two things, one, a nurse, and two, a missionary. And she will tell you even today that when she married me, she got both of them, and uh, <clears throat> that was good. So I said, if you're not interested in the deaf, this will be it. And I taught her the hand alphabet, on our first date. <laughs> Wasn't a date. It was, uh, you know, whatever it was. But it was, it was there. I, I taught her the hand alphabet. One thing. God called me to work with the deaf. And I had focused on that. The first semester that I was at Tennessee Temple in Chattanooga, Tennessee, there was a s- chapel speaker that came. And preached from Philippians where it says, this one thing I do. And God just, that means he impressed it on my heart. I want you to work with the deaf. And that's been the focus of my ministry. It's never deviated at all. There was one time when I walked out of the church and I said, I never want to see another deaf person in my life. Two weeks later, a deaf person came to me. Where are you going to church now? And I told him, he said, if I come, will you interpret for me? Sure. <laughs> so right back at it again. And uh, But God has a plan for your life. And if you're a servant, when God shows you that plan for your life, you've got one focus to do it. To do it. Now, let me finish by saying this. Number seven, work till the job is over. And I'll warn you about this one. There ain't no end. Jesus said to his disciples and to a group of people that he was teaching, he said, Occupy when? Till I come. And the word occupy means to keep busy, doing, doing, keep busy. It's interesting in in Isaiah chapter six. Very few people bring this out. I think it's I think it's great because, you know, God called him and he saw God lifted up, and he saw that God was holy. And then he saw God's compassion. That's my three-point outline there. And um, when he got down to the compassion, God said to him, I want you to go warn the people that judgment is coming. Isn't that basically what we have to do today? Yeah. Warn people judgment is coming. Yes, sir. And and, and uh, Isaiah, of course, because God said, now the people aren't going to listen to you. Isn't that encouraging, Pastor? <laughs> you preach, but the people are not going to pay any attention to you. And so Isaiah said then, Lord, how long should I do this? That when I, you know, can I get the message and then go home and be finished with it? They're not going to listen to me. I repeat it and repeat it, you know. And this is what God said, as long as there's a city, or as long as there's a person, you do it. As long as there's a person that is not saved in this world, we have a command to go and preach the gospel to them. Right? Not over until it's finished and it's not finished. And it's basically not finished, it's just interrupted for a while when Christ comes back, because then, as he mentioned this morning in his sermon, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And how many times have you heard preachers say, whoops, not that, Matthew chapter 25. There's going to be crowns given, there's going to be responsibilities given for the, Thousand year reign of Christ where it says in Revelation chapter 22 even in eternity that his servants are going to serve him. We get crowns. We can get crowns and get to rule and the reign with Christ and all of that. But I think the greatest reward that any servant is going to be able to hear is when Jesus says this. You are a good and faithful servant. Now, I ask you the same question that I asked you just a few minutes ago. Are you a faithful servant? The message changed my focus to where I still was faithful But I had a different attitude. An attitude of a servant. Have nothing. It all belongs to God. He gives me the orders. I obey. He takes care of the needs as I focus on what He's asked me to do. Fiftieth birthday. The question started with, what do you want on your tombstone? And it turned into a message of being a faithful servant. Would you bow your heads, please, for just a moment, and then pastor's going to come. <clears throat> See, I'm not the Holy Spirit, so I can't tell you what God has planned for your life. But you can. You know. And if you stood before Jesus Christ tonight and the books were open and the other book was open that proves that you are saved, you're there because you're saved. Could God see that book or Jesus see that book and at the end say, you're a good and faithful servant. If not, you can make that right tonight and then for the rest of your life while you're here, become that good and faithful servant. Father, use the message for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor.